How Long Gone uh, coming to you live uh, on a on a beautiful Tuesday. Them jeans, how are you? Oh, them jeans is good. Today is jeans day, isn't it? I thought every, is, isn't every day jeans day? What going on? Or are you saying this is different than that? Not every time, no. Well, I'm excited because I just got the follow from Fatty15 on Instagram. <laughs> oh, Smash that follow back. Boom. Me too. I'm still. I haven't decided if I'm going to follow back yet. I'm kind of mulling it over, but it, it's. I, I'm seeing benefits to my cells already, so I guess I should. I guess I should tap. Will she? Won't she? Will yeah. she? Won't she? <laughs> but yeah, I'm good. I'm feeling good. It's a big day for us. We announced our tour. Our tour dates, or I guess they're not really tour dates. We announced live podcasts in New York and L.A. Uh, and I had a, a my review of Noma finally hit the hit the web yeah. in an official capacity it's not just lurking on the message boards and the google docs of some of the literary greats of the world it's <laughs> everyone can see it now you yeah know? everyone all the regular folks can see it now yeah uh if you did miss it tickets go on sale uh friday at 10 a.m local time um november 11th at el rey in los angeles uh, and uh, December 2nd at Webster Hall in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to miss this. Uh, we'll announce guests soon. We actually, in a, in a shocking twist, we've kind of locked in guests, and, and we're going to have openers this time as well. We're going to have some comedians join us. We, we've we've locked it in a little earlier than normal. I'm feeling confident about my skills, so I want you to cross your fingers for I'm me. I'm proud today. of you for doing that. We we definitely leave that to the last minute quite often, but the I think... The, the seriousness and the importance of these shows uh, is made Chris Black step up. And, uh, you know, I've been busy and Chris has really taken over a lot of control over that stuff and good on you. The booker keeps on booking and he keeps getting better at booking. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> I can't wait to leak our, our guests and openers, but but it's, it's a real who rescued who, who's opening for who kind of thing. You know what I mean? I don't... No, that's the same. You know how some people like, (laughs) oh, it's so cringe to say like my fans, but like, I mean, they're fans. Like, what kind of you know, like, yeah, it's it's very cringeworthy for me to say like this stand-up comedian who works harder is much more funny and much better at doing this than I am is opening for me. So it's I don't look at it as that. It's just somebody's being nice enough to perform with us i have a similar i have a similar issue yeah i have a similar issue it doesn't feel right to say it but i don't know if an, another word has has been invented yet yeah until then so we'll, we'll keep trying um but i'm sure I, I figured you had a good day today too because you were probably glued to the apple keynote i know you're kind of a macworld.net <laughs> follower no. <laughs> so I, I well i'm i'm a i'm a nine nine to five mac girly that is my website <laughs> um it's it's kind of like the vanity fair of apple news it's like a little dishy a little goss a little rumor but oh that's it's cool kind of research it's researched and nuanced as well you know what i mean it's gives it a little more spice than straight up news on the apple universe yeah, they 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 don't shy away from a rumor or a gossip piece let's just say that okay okay because i mean apple like the the whole apple fandom world it sort of runs on dorks you know gossip and rumors and leaking and like oh yeah 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 but i mean the same in the same way as like you know a supreme drop would be like oh yo i heard they're gonna bring back the blah bitty blue blahs and then yeah yeah this yeah. they're it's actually gonna be blue instead of green <laughs> like it's the same thing with like i heard the new iphone 16 has this isn't it crazy isn't it crazy technology and this microchip there are adult men you included that get colored phones 
I, I still can't believe that that has worked. I mean, I, I, has worked with certain demographics where it, people think it's <laughs> well, okay. Well, my phone is currently, I, I currently have the triple black. I got the triple black right now, just for the record, but I have owned, my last one was baby purple. Yeah, you went Barney mode. I just think it's crazy to be like a 40-year-old man and walk into the Apple store and be like, uh, yeah, let me get the yellow. <laughs> it just seems, for something that you use every day, even if you love a pop of color, it seems aggressive to, to carry that around in your pocket. Every I, day. Would, I would say baby yellow is the least aggressive color in the palette, and black is sure. the most, but, sure. but I know what you mean in terms of aggressive, in terms of it being a... Uh, you know, just a different selection. But to me, I feel like it lets the world know two different things. None of this matters. I don't give a flying fuck. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, 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 a man or a person with an X in there, P-E-R-X, and should not be judged by the color of their phone, but the gigabytes that it carries. Uh, I'm actually, I stand completely on the opposite side. I think you should, uh, people should be judged for basically everything. And I think that the phone, the phone would be included in that. Well, to to be fair, I was sort of interpreting and butchering. I believe it was a Martin Luther King speech, uh, and trying to relate it to iPhone colors. And it's a really a, a dice roll whether or not that'll make the final cut. You were you were doing that, but regardless, you're wrong. And I'm going <laughs> to stick with my. But but I know what you mean. But I I love I love increasing the level of difficulty. It, 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 you know, if you're the type of person who's gonna like let's say I have a, a baby yellow phone. I'm walking around the Manhattan and I'm enjoying a day. I'm getting a slice at Upside or whatever it may be. I'm um, having lunch at Odeon. I don't know any of these places. And some you know lacrosse playing guy named Bryce is like, nice fucking yellow phone, fag. Then I know that this person is an idiot. Or if someone's like, why would you have a yellow phone? That's so weird and random. It's like. The, I I want to hang out with people who are like, oh yellow phone, lol. That's funny. Whatever. What's your name? Uh, can I start sucking? I don't think anyone is thinking about it that hard. I think it's a silent judgment, and that's why it's so much more powerful. No one would actually make fun of you public out outwardly, especially someone you don't know. Other than other than you, I'm not. But also, I'm so clairvoyant. I'm clairvoyant um, than a motherfucker. I'm able to tell when you're silently judging the color of my phone. Is that true? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you can look. You can just look and tell if a person is judging. In that case, you've had a long life, chief. I put that on Crip. <laughs> I put it on Crisnip. Yeah, it's it's not easy being being whatever it is that I am. Did you we sent you, you sent this to the group chat earlier. There's a unbelievably bad Olivia Rodrigo uh photo shoot in the new Rolling Stone <laughs> that she's on the cover of. To the point of to the point of like Olivia Rodrigo Olivia Rodrigo is hot and cool and well dressed and everything that you need to make great photos. You know what I mean? And somehow they have made this. It's unbelievable because I, I saw the cover, the cover, you know, whatever. It's it's a cover. It's, you know, it, it was passable. But the the mm -hmm. other images, the array of photos that are available. Once you dig deeper. Once you dig deeper past the cover, it's diabolically <laughs> bad. And I don't even know how that happens. I don't know. Well, let's get Jeff on the horn. I, th I think um, and also so 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 starkly juxtaposed against i think it was interview friend of the show mel ottenberg probably you know called the shots on it those interview photo shoots i forgot who shot it do you remember no 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 i don't remember but it was good oh yeah phoebe bridgers interviewed her and it was styled by mel ottenberg photographed by brianna capotzi oh uh, brianna yeah it's good it's cool amazing photos i think you know for a pop star like that 
it's exactly what it should be, you know. It's not too young, it's not too old, blown some bubble gum, cute lighting, minimal looks, girl next door, it's all there, it's all happening. The Rolling Stone shoot. I don't I, you can't even describe <laughs> the photo. I know, that's the problem. I can't the one that you sent the one you sent us is you're like, like what's wrong with it? And you're like, I don't know. It's like that image on the internet where it's like name one thing in this photo and you can't. Yes, 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 yes. It's like she's okay, I'm gonna describe it. She's it look whoa, hold on. Okay, she's wearing a knee-high boot that has a tie wrapped around it, a skirt, a tie wrapped around her thigh, and a black tank top. She's stepping out from behind like a Japanese-style dressing screen that has her own photo on it, and then she's reaching at an arm that is extended. Many of her own photos. Yeah, that is extended out, and you don't see the body in frame, just the arm, and it has four ties tied around the arm, and each of those ties features... Olivia giving a different expression. Um, it's it's insane, actually. <laughs> now that I just described it, it's even worse than I remember. To to me, it screams when um you know many of our our young listeners won't remember this, and and some of the oldies will. You know, it must have been like the mid to late nineties when everyone sort of got Photoshop one day, and they're like, let's just do everything Photoshop can do for every image. You know, like. Delia's catalog type shit going on. We're yes. like, what should we do? And you're like, yes, yeah, like let's all go the crazy. every yeah, single yeah, yeah. feature, <laughs> effect, lighting technique, filter, yeah. do it all. Too much availability. Too much availability. It's fucked up, bro. Yeah, that that does it. Does it? It feels it feels as bad as forty five year old men talking about how great it is and the lyrics are great. It feels just as bad as that. <laughs> um, but obviously. She's having a great week. I don't want to bring her down. She, I mean, she's beautiful. She's successful. She's talented. This is more of an art direction issue than it is a an issue with her, of course, just to keep the stands out of it. But I did see, okay, I did see that there's a rumor going around before we talked to our guests. Rumor going around that um, Taylor Swift is dating uh, Travis Kelsey. Are you familiar with Travis Kelsey? Travis Kelsey. Because I bet Let's you aren't. Here. I bet you aren't, and I only know about him. Because uh, he did a reality show, but he's a wide receiver, old miss. He's a tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, wait, he didn't he host SNL? Yeah, yeah. He he had a dating show on E. He hosted SNL. He's in the he's in the quarterback mm. dock, but this is the rumor, which is a pretty big departure. And he's been seen uh, he's been seen at some uh, I saw I think I saw he was seen trading some some candy necklaces some, some bracelets. Candy bracelets yeah he's at the taylor show uh i think he i think he like like publicly was like i would love to take taylor swift down on a date you know like in an interview and then it worked which is incredible that that's what happens with celebrities now um but they've been quietly hanging out just want to get that out there that mm -hmm. that you know athletes always win yeah the daily mail says Taylor Swift is quote hanging out, just, just hanging player. out. And I, I will say, in terms of doofuses like that, when I did see him host SNL, I was he was, was good. Kind of he was pretty good. Surprised. He, He's pretty he good. Stuck all he stuck all his lines, stuck the landing. It was good. But enough about that. Let's get into our guest today, who's patiently waiting in the wings. <laughs> we do we do have a guest today. Uh, <laughs> You 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 know Graydon Carter. He's he created Spy Magazine. He edited Vanity Fair for years. Now he is the proprietor, the big boss of Airmail, uh, our favorite newsletter here uh, on How Long Gone. Mm -hmm. um, so we're gonna we're gonna buzz over to Connecticut and see what's going on with him. All right, let's give Graydon a ring. How Long Gone 
is brought to you by our dear friends at BetterHelp, Jason. BetterHelp. You know, the summer travel season is coming up. Luckily, my BetterHelp therapist also fancies themselves a bit of a travel agent. So for maybe the first half of our sweet sessions, we were spent off, obviously off clock going through, you know, hotels, ferries, <laughs> car rentals, restaurant recommendations. It's as if I have two wives. I have two wives inside of me. And uh, yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. So uh, it, it is a fun way to find and connect different therapists. You get one that you really like. You guys are gossiping. You guys are chit-chatting. You guys are talking about your personal interests. Next thing you know, it's time to actually do the work. So it feels good building those uh, mental health relationships with people you actually like. And on BetterHelp, there are so many different therapists to choose from. I don't like anyone. If you're thinking of starting (laughs) therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash how long today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash how long. Nice. How Long Gone is brought to you by Nutrafol. As you know, you know, hair thinning is quite complicated. Like your skin, hair is a reflection of your health. Uh-oh. And internal factors can impact the way your hair looks, feels, and most importantly, grows. Nutrafol's whole body approach multi-targets underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly thicker, stronger hair. Go ahead, give it a tug. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth suppy with over 1 million people seeking thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with considerably less shedding. Thank God. Take the first step <laughs> to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code HOWLONG, all one word. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists and professional stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L. I got Raph on the nut. <laughs> dot com promo code how long? That's neutral. Dot com promo code how long? Graden, any questions before we slide in? Uh, yeah, do I get to see you? Are you guys just blank? Do I get to see you, or what, how does this no, work? We'll, we'll turn the. We'll turn oh the yeah, I'll come. I'm coming on. Oh, uh, there you go. Hi, Chris. For you, for you, we'll we'll turn we'll turn the camera. Yeah, on. okay. It's usually just we only do it for hot chicks, but we'll do it for you too, Graden. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. It's a rare instance. All right. So, Graydon, thank you for joining us. You're coming to us live from New York. I apologize. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Yep. <laughs> a shirtless man with tattoos. Okay. I'm not sure this is right for me, but go ahead. Welcome to the world of podcasting, Graydon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so you're coming to us. You're coming to us from New York. Uh, did you you spent your summer elsewhere? Or have you been here for a while? Uh, summer was in the in Provence. Mm. Okay, perfect. And you you've been going there for a long time, right? Yes, yes. I did a road trip with my wife and uh, youngest daughter, and a school friend of hers down the Italian coast. And then now I'm here in New York. Okay, okay. You're back for fall. It's back to school for all of us. You know, there's nowhere I'd rather be. That that Amalfi traffic. Am I right? <laughs> yes. Uh, the traffic wasn't bad, but the heat it, it 
built as we move south yeah. as you kept, so the heat built as you went south that's how it goes oh, yeah. unfortunately yeah what is your relationship to france is it just a place that you fell in love with and you liked it and you and you wanted to keep going back or, or was there another reason for you to be there no i like the french uh, i love that part <laughs> of the world i love the um i love the weather i love the light i love the smells of it and um being close to the sea is lovely and um yeah no it's just been a part of my life for the last 35 or 40 years yes yeah. and and you own a house over there we rent a house you rent a house. okay i don't want to own a house in france <laughs> why not <laughs> because of the taxes or the upkeep or what's the problem it's just a, it's a million things there's a, a lot of pay there's just a lot of administrative things and just mm -hmm. as much more wonderful to rent a house the same house got it okay that's okay if you can yeah if you can keep going to the same one that's a dream situation no headaches yeah, well, same place you know you don't get to leave your stuff there but that's okay yeah absolutely um what's the uh the the map that's behind your head is this is this a considered zoom wall background or is this just the way everything lies <laughs> no, i was something I've had, I've, I've had this for like 30 years and i built my off home offices around it and it's um it's the first isometric map and it's of paris in 1920 and every house is drawn in 3D, every house in Paris and building up to that point. Whoa. It's like Google Maps, but like 1920. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was about to say, we have this now. It doesn't look quite as I'm, good I'm as that. I'm familiar with the word isometric, but Chris is more, that's more of a training kind of a movement thing. Yeah, and yeah, less of a... kind of, yeah, the, the stress and tension thing. Yeah, no, but this is it. <laughs> Anyway, it's a beautiful map. I've had it for a long time, and um, it's here with me. Well, no, it's, a nice, it's a nice, it's a nice Zoom background. You have both of us beat. I'll say that. It's a zoom background. Do you? Yeah. Do you? Yeah, it wasn't meant. Do yeah. you work at home a lot, or do you go to the? Do you go to the office? What do you prefer in today's modern society? Well, you know, the office is not really for work. It's for um, talking to people, and so I, um, <laughs> I get most of my work done here. The offices are two and a half minutes away on Ninth Street. I'm on Eleventh Street. And um, I love going to the office, but, you know, between uh, being away, COVID, mm. and then we had some construction work. I uh, haven't been there much, but that's going to change now that the fall is here. No, you're right, though. The, the office is now a place to have meetings to distract you from doing the actual work that you need to do is what yeah. is what it's become. It really is. Yeah, I mean, it's not like a, it's not like a Google office or anything. It doesn't have beanbag chairs and like, you know, and candy <laughs> machines, but it's... Um, it's a it's a proper lovely office in an old brownstone and uh and the young people are there all the time because it's larger than their apartments sure sure what <laughs> and, we offer you uh, what we offer you at airmail is we have air conditioning at the office it's larger than your apartment there's no free m&ms but we then, pay you enough to buy and those. then twice a month when uh when your cleaning lady comes then you'll dip over to the office and kind of work for the exactly, afternoon yeah okay. exactly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, i'll go in for a couple of hours to talk to alessandra my partner and then some of the editors and and then just come back. Try some new flavors of LaCroix. That's not my thing, but yeah. <laughs> I've been to the office actually once, and it was beautiful. Um, and it is, it feels like a, it is nicer than most apartments. No, no, tall ceilings, French doors, fireplaces. I mean, it's it's gorgeous. It makes a great apartment. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But, I forgot about the fireplace. That. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, he's no, like the more i talk about it maybe i should go check this place out damn <laughs> we, 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 we have clothing restrictions on it but yeah <laughs> okay shirts so. and shoes yeah great it's 100 degrees here in la i just got out of the sauna way too much information for me okay i don't need all this but thank you <laughs> great and come on appreciate it yeah <laughs> it, it is hot it is hot in la we wanted to talk to you about the um the the new arts intel report that you guys are doing um 
we're we're both subscribers, longtime subscribers, and I think something like this was kind of missing um, from the landscape. Obviously, you're filling that hole. What do you think the what was the reasoning behind this? Did you just see something, or is it is you're passionate about this kind of thing? No, it's it's funny because I I um we were I was at the Waverly Inn with my wife, and we bumped into Diana Krall, and she said that she had just done a concert with Tony Bennett, and I thought why the hell didn't I know about that? I would have gone to that. And um, so when we designed this, it was to, it was right up from the beginning when people were still traveling, this is 2019. And it was a search engine. So that if you say, if you listen, mm -hmm. uh, I like Tony Bennett and I'm going to be in New York in November. And uh, this is obviously before Tony died. Um, it would show you any concerts he was doing. And then if you could also type in Tony Bennett and would tell you what he was doing if it was in your neighborhood. So you can type in if, if you're a ballet uh, lover and you're going to San Francisco in December, you can type in ballet, San Francisco, December, and we'll give you every, uh, all the best ballets that'll be on in San Francisco during that month. And, or it has something to do with art. And then we'll tell you the restaurants around the, the, the venue and great hotels to stay at. And so it's, it's like a search engine. I'm surprised nothing like this existed before, but it's really useful. And we've got a, a wonderful group of people who work on it and they're very diligent. And um, yeah, it's just, there's nothing else like it in the world. And if you travel a lot- Just a search engine for rich people removes all the poor people's stuff. No, it's, it no, sounds great. First of, all, a, it, first of all, A, it's free and, and uh, uh, museum exhibits are not just for rich people. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're also know, often free. <laughs> They're also often free. Yeah. <laughs> this seems like a pretty tech heavy thing though, behind the scenes. Like this required a lot of Dude. development and time or no? Yes. And we have a wonderful uh, 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 IT genius called John Torno, who I inherited. I invested in this company called Zig about eight years ago. And it was this it had brilliant technology. It didn't take off. And then when I was looking for an engineer to help me with airmail, I called the the two founders of Zig, and they said, said, well, you should, you have to talk to John Turnow. And John lives in Dallas and he's tall. He's, um, and he speaks English. I mean, I've never, ever had to ask him, what do you mean by that? He speaks, he uses <laughs> sure, no sure. technology <laughs> terms whatsoever. And he's got a wonderful attitude. And the fact I say, John, can we try this? He goes, yeah, I think we can do that. And rather than telling, uh, giving me a million reasons why we can't or shouldn't do it, and he's, um, mm. and we, he's vital to the whole the whole operation here. And we, our platform that we we build airmail on, it, he he built it from scratch, and it's it's um, mm -hmm. all our advertising in there. We do all our photo research. Everything's done in this one platform. Oh, that's it. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's really interesting. young people take note. Be more like John. That, yeah, you know, it's it's absolutely extraordinary. And at some point, we're going to license it out to other people, especially to people who run small town newspapers. Mm. Like I think it'd be invaluable for them, and they can. Um, it's it's just it's got everything. Handles all our subscriptions. Handles everything. Oh, okay, I see. So it, you can do everything in this one one interface basically we do everything on one platform sorry for interrupting how long until you don't need a team of cool young people feeding the beast with all of the hundreds of ballets in san francisco every december until ai does it all for you well first of all this is we, we this is very curated and it's um the the uh, the editor of of the arts intelligence report is uh, laura jacobs who you know she's married to james walcott she was the she's been a ballet writer for almost mm. 40 years and so and, and and involved in the arts for that length of time so it's it's you know it's a human it's human intelligence and i think that'll beat ai 
in terms of what we're doing any day. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I agree with you. I agree with Amen you. Amen to that. But I like the idea. Okay, so the idea with this interface is that you could, in theory, license it out to anyone in publishing, and they could be using it in the same way to kind of streamline their work. Yes, 100%. Especially, I'm very interested in doing it with small-town newspapers. We'd give it away for free at first and see if they... If it works for them. Damn, I, I like this idea. I like this idea a lot. We love licensing software. That's a nice income stream as well. First restaurant openings free. Then you got to start paying, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you got to start paying. Uh, yeah. I and and now I've also been told that the the downtown list that you that you guys did for New York um, was was quite successful, and you're going to be doing one in London. Is that correct? We're doing one in London, and we're shooting it on Monday, and it's coming out in November, and um, I'll be over there for that. So, yeah, no, it's just a way of defining the youth uh, portions of various cities. I think we'll do Los Angeles next. I mean, you need a city with a with a concentrated youth population for sure. And London fit that fit that bill. Los Angeles does. When you say youth, if if I'm if I'm in my forties. Am I going to be out of the cut? You're past your sell-by date for this. So oh. <laughs> Don't break his heart, Graydon. No, no. Yeah. I think that the... Um... I know about every wine bar in town. Come on, Graydon. <laughs> I don't know what the cutoff date is, but it's probably in between 30 and 35. Okay. okay. That's, that's fair. That's. I feel like that's actually generous when we're using the term young. So that's nice of you guys. Yeah. That's, to, that's yeah, yeah. A, a life agree. preserver. Well, remember, I've, I've been a magazine editor for 50 years. I'm, I've been doing this longer than any person alive almost. <laughs> So not, I mean, interesting. When you look at it that way, sixty is young to me right now. Pre, I mean, as a person who just had their birthday earlier this week, this is music to my ears. Thank you. Okay, there you go. That's <laughs> yeah, good. Thank you. <laughs> that's what he. That's what he needed. Uh, yeah. With with the lists now, I, I'm sure you, you've been making lists for a long time. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's whether it's Vanity Fair, good. yeah, no, no yeah. whether it's a party, you know what I mean. So, what is is there a fascination with lists? Do you like ranking things? Well, we used to do them at Spy Magazine. It was usually, like a list you would not want to be on. You know, the ten stupidest congressmen or the hundred most annoying New Yorkers, mm -hmm. and um, and so it uh, it's a way of defining things. It's a way of in certain ways, either upsetting people or making people happy. Then at Vanity Fair, we did lists like the new establishment list, and that was something that mm -hmm. people really wanted to be on because it was the opposite of the old establishment. The old establishment was like, you know, the chairman of U.S. Steel or, you know. I mean, uh, sure, sure. And this were the new people in Silicon Valley and Hollywood, and uh, they were making, uh, you know, changing the the culture. This is back in the '90s, and 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 they did change the culture, mm -hmm. and um, for better and for worse. Mm -hmm. So it uh, lists are good at, at helping you define um, societies. The current generation seems to be averse to listing people and ranking people nowadays. What do you how, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, they they can feel that way, and and uh, I think it's. Uh, I'm still going to list your ass. <laughs> <laughs> funny when I, I don't like i like lists but i don't like awards i think awards actually do damage to creative industries like you know i think that it hmm. i think that a lot of people make films based on uh what they their oscar uh, uh potential is rather than on how much they think the audience will enjoy it mm -hmm. and i think in the olden days of the magazine awards i think some editors put together articles or issues for the sake of winning awards rather than making the readers happy to me there's only one person that's out there that's important and that's either the reader or if you're in the film business the person sitting in the movie theater 
I mean, I think that's a common. I mean, that's right. that's a really big problem in the music business too. You can feel it. The bait, the Grammy bait. You can tell. It's like, wait. yeah, we we never podcast for the Webbies at all. Yeah, we do this for the love. We do this that. for the love. We don't want any awards. Yeah, it's very clear. But probably just as well. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, just, no, no, just no. well. Just as well. Good she luck. can dishes. She can take it. It's okay. Yeah. Um, speaking speaking of, I brought up restaurant openings earlier. Do you think you have another restaurant in you? No, I had. Uh, we had three <laughs> restaurants at one point. We had the Waverly Inn, the Monkey Bar, and the Beatrice Inn. Yeah. The Beatrice Inn was around the corner from the, the Waverly Inn, and it was too much like the Waverly Inn, so it didn't really have a point. The Monkey Bar we lost during the pandemic. We sold the Beatrice Inn to the chef. The the Monkey Bar was um, we lost during the pandemic because it um, it was always profitable, but we. We, we didn't think we could go for two years without um, mm-hmm. uh, any customers. But the Waverly Inn, we've, owned, we've been part owners of it for 17 years now, and it's it's packed every night. So happy with one. Did Monkey Bar have you have you been to Monkey Bar since it's reopened, or you won't darken those doors? No, I I, I don't think I can get in. Apparently, the food is apparently much better than when we had it. It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of annoying, and I don't think I, and it's like too hot for me to get a table now. So, anyways, so they did a great hot. job with it. I have a feeling you can get a table there, Greg. Right okay, maybe. <laughs> That's yeah. fine. I like so uh, with the restaurant thing. Is that just like? something that you liked and wanted to be a part of or did Waverly Inn fall in your lap? I lived two doors down and uh, my uh, the first part, the person I bought it with lived two doors down the other way. His name was Roberto Benabib. He lives out in LA and he's a, a showrunner out there. And then we decided we were at Lane's one night and talking and we'd seen a for sale sign at, at the Waverly and uh, we decided that what the hell, why don't we buy it? So we did and we brought in actually people knew how to run restaurants, Eric Good and Sean McPherson and yeah. Eric Varda, uh, Emil Varda, who had um, uh, was working in London at the time, and it's been it's been a wonderful experience. My kids, I have five kids. They all got to eat at the Waverly for free when they were growing up. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> a lot of grilled cheeses over there. Yeah, put that on the house account, like country club yeah. style at, at Waverly. Well, no, just, yeah. So anyway, it's been you know we had a we had a dinner there for the airmail staff last night. You know, we're doing two book parties in the next um, uh, two weeks, one for Gay Talese's memoir and one for this big book on the New York Times by Adam Nagorny. So it's, it's sort of like a, a, an airmail. It was a Vanity Fair clubhouse. Now it's sort of an airmail clubhouse. Yeah. No, it's nice to have. I, I, I like the idea of having a clubhouse, especially when it's so closely, you know, next door to your house. That makes it a little easier. Yeah. And they serve alcohol, so yeah. And they also, they also serve. But you famously, you famously are, are involved in the in the seating, correct? Is that is that fair to say? Every night. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, seventeen years every night. Seventeen years every night. Every night. Every night. Graydon, what does that look like? Are we on a computer? Are we on? Do we have like the full book open? No, I no. My my, my one of my editors, Nathan King, he takes a look at the reservations, and we do a. A draft of the, you know, the originally it was we did complete drafts of the tables, but then uh, you basically what you want to do is you want to give somebody roughly the same sort of table they had the last time they came, and you want and you know there's people celebrating their honeymoons and their special occasions, so you take into consideration all their requests, and um, it's just a way of sort of keeping track of things and making sure if there's a friend having a birthday, I'll send uh, you know. Um, drinks over or a bottle of champagne and um, mm-hmm. 
the nice thing is it connects me to the restaurant when I was uh, when I'm living in France as well. Sure, yeah, no, you're you got a hand in it no matter where you are. That sounds kind of fun. Is it relaxing for you? Is it like meditative, or you, is it just a habit? It's just a habit at this point. But it's um, I but I love the restaurant. We were and um, you know, I love you know we've got great food and um, the probably the best food we've ever had. So. That's a huge relief. I got to come by. You know, it's a it's a great place and it's an institution. It's been around for a, you know, it's been around for over a hundred years. It used to be owned by the, a secretary who worked at, at Vanity Fair, at the old Vanity Fair, and she was Claire Booth Luce's secretary when Claire Booth Luce was an editor at Vanity Fair. So it's been part of a, a Vanity Fair family for at the beginning of the of, uh, of, of the first hundred years and at the end of the hundred years. Speaking of leg of, of legacy institution restaurants, has has anyone tried to option the rights to your feud with Keith McNally? No. <laughs> I, lo- no. I love to watch that film. Uh, like, first, of all, first of all, you're talking about something I have absolutely no interest in and don't really care about. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> no, understood. Understood. I think that the... Doing that every night is is seems kind of fun, and I think that you can tell when somebody's got a hand in it. Like when you go in a restaurant and it's humming, mm. I think you can tell that there's people like paying attention to what's happening. Um, it's not just you know resi and and the alerts coming up. No, no re- restaurants are proprietorships, and the best ones are you know the the owners on the premises a lot for sure. I mean, I think sometimes we we've seen this a few times in L.A. where they get the chef gets ham. You know, if your if your chef is too popular. People are upset if they don't see him in the kitchen. Right. You know what I mean? Where it becomes you're kind of like really tied to the place in a way that might not be sustainable long term, um, which seems like an issue uh, depending on if you're trying to expand or not. Yeah. Well, we don't have ours. It's an old fashioned restaurant and it doesn't have a kitchen. Mm-hmm. And the kitchen's about twice the size of the desk I'm sitting at. So uh, <laughs> yeah, chef, he's, nobody- stuck, he's just stuck in there, but doing 250 covers a night. It's he's he's got his hands full without making a a cameo appearance in the dining room. <laughs> that's uh, that's preferred. I think the open kitchen. I think we could do away with the open kitchen. I've had enough. Personally. Yeah, yeah, no, no. It's like having open bathrooms at, at restaurants. It's just not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, not that sure, that exists, sure. but, you know. <laughs> but if it did, it would be a bad idea. We can. Yeah, no. That. The only place I think it really works is at the River Cafe in London, and um, because it's so long, the kitchen is so long, and you see. You don't actually see things being chopped up, but you just see heads moving along. No, that's true. When I I, I got uh, my first time dining there a few months ago, and they were nice enough to sit me right by the front door, so I was about a football field away from the open <laughs> kitchen. They have that big hot pink pizza oven. Yeah, you yeah. can see heads moving around, but you can't see yeah. what they're doing exactly. Well, you probably didn't have a shirt on, so they don't want to put you near an open flames or anything. <laughs> yeah, that could be that's hazardous. That's hazardous for everybody. Yeah, I think yeah. that that. Just to be clear, I normally wear a shirt. Okay, especially in public. Good to know. Good to know. I didn't know you had to sit by the door at the River Cafe, Jason. I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, this is my first time. I'll I'll be added to the okay. books. As somebody does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so much. There's, there's if there's a yeah, but. I mean, like when I, I, I just wrote a review uh, of Noma that came out today, Graydon, and, and I remember th- walking through the door and Rene Redzepi was the first person to greet me. And all I could think of was like, this guy's been doing, like, he has to be there yeah. every day for the last 20 years. Yeah. And that just must be exhausting. Yeah. But, but they know exhilarating. I mean, a restaurant is like a live theater every night. Mm-hmm. where you don't know what the plot is and um there's something very exciting about watching a restaurant go from the from the moment it opens to the moment it closes mm-hmm. a performance a performance okay, yeah um Graydon, when's the last time you smoked a cigarette oh my god um a while ago <laughs> 
I mean, I, 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 no, I have a, I still wear a cigarette patch and, and no, I just, I, uh, I love smoking, but I gave it up about 10 years ago. I would have a cigarette a day and then I gave that up. So you went, you went from full time to one a day to the patch. Yes. Yes. Marlboro lights. I smoked camels and, and, um, um, yeah, no, in fact, I got into a feud with Mike Bloomberg at one point when he brought in the anti-smoking laws in New York. And there was a story in the, it was back, this is back when the International Herald Tribune was still going. And, uh, and my ashtray was on the front page of the paper, which I thought was sort of amazing. And, um, because you weren't even allowed to have an ashtray in the office. And, um, I got fined $2,000 for having an ashtray and, and, um, so anyway, so it uh, no, I don't do that anymore. That that pleasure <laughs> is gone. I I kept smoking after I got in the fight with Michael Bloomberg, but then after that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, adjust for on. inflation back then, two thousand quid wasn't wasn't no. It was a lot of money. It was chunk. a lot of money. And Mike keeps saying, he said, "I saved your life, right?" I go, "Yes, absolutely, yes." Damn you, Bloomberg! Damn you, Bloomberg! I want to understand how you were like how. Did somebody bust into the office and ticket you for this? Like, yeah, how does no, this... yeah, okay, okay. No, they they had like they had like cigarette police in those days. I mean, they don't, we don't even have police now. I mean, so I mean, in fact, I remember one time we were at we were at this fancy restaurant. We were take, taking one of my kids out for their birthday, and I wanted uh, some water or a glass of wine or something like that. I couldn't get any kind of service. So you know what you do light up a cigarette and boy you will get people on you in two seconds from the staff and so it you know i i missed there was nothing nicer than going to a restaurant having a nice meal and then having a cigarette oh and that's all gone now but that's such is life such is life well i mean what do you i'll, I'll be there one day what do you think about vaping it's one of the culture's ugliest trends i hope you agree well you know first of all, i live on a block where it basically it smells like it just smells like a marijuana den like <laughs> uh, like, okay. like every minute. well <laughs> what part of the bronx are you in grid <laughs> <laughs> yeah no this, this, is a, this is the village and and um, he's like it's a good neighborhood i don't understand it's a good neighborhood <laughs> Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Say goodbye to swiping left on lackluster meals and swipe right for the one brand that will make your taste buds swoon. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef design recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, I like to chop myself, or quick microwave meals that are assembled in minutes, Home Chef has you and your entire family covered for delicious meals, witty options per week, and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. I'm keto now. Not only is it convenient, but it is also economical. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Mamma mia. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering my listeners... Our listeners, 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert faux life at homechef.com slash how long. That's homechef.com slash how long for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash how long must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Career World is a new cookbook written by Dookie Hong and friend of the show, Matt Rodbard. 
The New York Times best-selling authors of the book Koreatown. Korea World is a vibrant exploration of the evolution of Korean cuisine, both in Korea and in Korea towns across the United States, with more than 75 bold, flavor-packed recipes and stunning photography. The authors take an inside look at the exciting evolution of Korean food through stories of chefs, home cooks, as well as recipes that are shaping modern Korean cuisine. The book begins in Seoul, where the barbecue scene is pushing into new territory and where the city's third wave coffee culture is exploding. The tour continues with late-night food adventures in Los Angeles, my hometown, and stops into the kitchens of innovative chefs from New York City to Portland, who are putting modern spins on Korean classics. Recipes include giant short ribs, whole fried smash rockfish, and pineapple kimchi fried rice. I'm sad I didn't get to name the foods, and you did. <laughs> Korea World is essential reading for anyone curious about the future of food. Available wherever books are sold. Everybody is on, everybody's smoking dope in, in, in New York. And uh, mm -hmm. so, you know, I'd take, uh, I would take vaping over that, but it's, I see these, you know, these huge plumes of smoke coming up from people who are vaping. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I don't think it's no healthier than. Well, great. And be honest. Have you ever, has a vape ever touched your lips? I tried it when I was first started quitting smoking and I thought, this is just as bad as quitting smoking. And uh, so, no. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't <laughs> yeah, yeah. imagine you charging your vape on your laptop. You know what I mean? That doesn't really. No, feel, no, that doesn't no, feel no. great. It'd I'd be, be extremely ungraden esque. The weed stuff in New York is. I'm. I've been sober for for a while now, like eight years. I used to be a daily weed smoker. Like I love smoking weed. I, I thought I smelled cool. Like I thought it was cool, and I thought it smelled good, and I would smoke it anywhere. And now that weed has been legalized in New York. Um, it's never been less cool. We talk about it on the podcast a lot. It's so uncool. I agree. I agree with that. And yeah, I agree. But the smell, I mean, I'm talking, I'll catch it at the Equinox locker room. Like I, it's inescapable. It's everywhere in New York. It's inescapable. I, I'm, it's I'm a part of the problem. From inside your car. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying, where do we go from here? You know, is this just what it's going to be like? I think the police are going to start smoking weed. Probably. Yeah, I guess everybody has to gather. Everybody just has to give <laughs> in. Probably. But it's it's yeah, it's really overwhelming. More worse than L.A. It is. Well, because people are more concentrated on the sidewalk as well. You you don't actually see people in New York, in Los Angeles that way. Yeah, I can go out my sidewalk, do whatever I want. Which one of you is in L.A.? Which one of you is in L.A.? One of you is in L.A. One's in New York, right? Take a wild guess. Which one's from L.A.? Graham? Jason is in L.A. I'm in New York. <laughs> Jason's in L.A. because he's got no shirt. You've got a shirt here in New York. Okay. Okay, got it. <laughs> you both have tattoos. You both have you both have chef tattoos. Chef know. tattoos. We had these before. Chefs were cool, Graydon. <laughs> yeah, this is this is. Uh, I have all the sections of a cow okay. right here. Here's the center. Okay, yeah, no. I think it's an act of rebe I think it's an act of rebellion not to have a tattoo. It one thousand percent is. I agree with you now, but you have to understand. Get inside the mind of an eighteen year old Chris. In Atlanta, where I grew right. up, this is this was all I. This was something to look forward to. Oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. We yep. both have a lot of tattoos, but you get a lot more when you're 18 versus when you're 40. But I think at this point, we kind of have to keep getting a new tattoo once a year or so, so we can dye. You know that sexy beast kind of yeah. uh, raisin melting in the beach, head to toe tattoos. That's kind of the coolest way to go out, right? No, that's going to age really well as your skin gets older. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> hey, look, that's that's that. It's like a pair of old uh, loafers or Levi's, like the old with the WW two tattoos and the snake on the forearm that's been there for sixty years. Like, there's a patina to it that you just can't recreate okay. without the time okay. broken Good in. Know. Do you have any? You know, I'm, 
Uh, you don't have any tattoos, I'm assuming. No. Maybe a little four-leaf no. clover on the ass. Nothing like that at <laughs> all. Great no, my five, and my five kids don't have any tattoos either. Is that because they're scared of their father or because it's just a, a choice? No, they, just, they, didn't, they didn't do it. As far as you know. Yeah. Good parenting. I, I will say that my mom, until I was probably in my early 30s, would still get upset when I came home and she spotted something new. So it didn't wear off. I thought it would kind of wear off after the first year, but it, it continued uh, I somehow. Get, I get that. Um, what, is your, uh, what is your relationship with L.A.? Because, I mean, you guys did the, the, the famous Oscar party for years and years and years. Um, I'm sure you have a preferred hotel, a few restaurants you like, but do you, do you like it or are you too much of a New Yorker to truly enjoy it? I like it in small doses. I one of my best friends lives out there. We have a lot of friends. We have a lot of nice friends out there. My oldest daughter works for HBO in Los Angeles, so we spend try to go out there for a week, like twice a year. And um, yeah. I prefer New York. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, well, I appreciate I appreciate Los Angeles. Well, I feel like especially during the Vanity Fair era, like Hollywood was such a big part of of what you guys were doing. Yeah. You know, um. So I, and it's tough. I mean, obviously you could keep up with it, but I think being there does does make it a little bit easier depending on what's going on. Yeah, I mean that was actually the the one of the least favorite uh, aspects of the job. Once we got it started, I couldn't give it up, and it was. Uh, it was a lot of work, a lot of stress of the, doing that annual party. It became like the largest party in the annual party in the world, and it was wow. it was a, a ton of work every year and a ton of work that day. You had to sort of be a very pleasant maitre d for you know eight or nine hours, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and and that was the job. While having your picture taken every thirty seconds with a different actor that you may or may not recognize, people were not in. I, I don't I don't jump into pictures, but nobody was interested in my photograph. <laughs> And uh, that was a good thing because there's very little evidence of me. Although Frank DiGiacomo, who used to uh, chronicle the Vanity Fair Oscar parties for the New York Observer, I remember at one point being near the bar and just putting a cigarette in my mouth and Frank watched me and realizing that I put the wrong end in my mouth. And I thought, of course he saw this, you know. So I try to like stay as you know straight as possible with these things. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad, glad it's over at least for for me. Well, I you say that, but you, you guys just did this huge airmail party in the south of France. We did. That was actually a, that sort of thing. We used to do that every year, and I that I or every second year that I uh, I loved. I thought that was a more relaxed. It was the 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 stress wasn't as much. It was smaller, and. Um, and that, and you're doing it in the most wonderful hotel in the world. Speaking of uh, of, of party throwing, Chris has a, a bit of a philosophy that that men shouldn't dance. Where where do you stand on that, Graydon? Um, it depends. At least white men. <laughs> uh, yeah, white heterosexual men maybe no. <laughs> and uh, thank you, thank yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you stand with me yeah i yeah. just don't think it's it's i I've, i rarely see it done well yeah you know so i've made this i've made this kind of decision after being on this earth for long enough that i i just don't think i need to do it and others don't either yeah no no it, it um i mean i i'm I, I like i mean when i was younger i liked to dance but i i that that ended a while ago <laughs> did you ever go to like studio 54 and do all that stuff in the heyday back then oh yeah no, in fact, I went. To, I took. I remember when I was working at Time. I took Walter Isaacson to Studio Fifty Four because he'd never been there. I thought that was an eye opener for him. Yeah, I was gonna. Say, I was gonna say, did he ever go back? You think, or was it a one time? I think it was a one time for Walter. I think. It was yeah, a, sure. 
He just wanted to take that box off. I wish I could too. That's how like Bergheim in Berlin is now. It's like a place that like is too extreme for most people, but they still want to go once to say they've been. Actually, actually, Studio 54 compared to what's out there now, I'm sure it was pretty mild by comparison. I think that in this case, yes. I think in this case, yes. I think like a lot of people doing drugs is not really that big of a deal. That's not an issue. No. You know, maybe riding in on a horse. Yeah, but people, people, even even at the craziest clubs nowadays, you still go out and and huddle into the handicap stall in the restroom to do your drugs. But back in Studio Fifty Four days, pre AIDS, mid Coke, you were everything was out at all times, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. New York was a much uh, looser society then. I mean, probably more fun in some ways, and especially if you're young. If you're older, you probably drove you crazy, all of this. <laughs> sure. But it, um, no, no, things were just much different back then. I don't, I mean, you've seen the city go through a lot of phases. I think that the, I, I would love to know what your favorite period was. What, where do you think, when do you think it was the absolute best? Oh, I think that, I think that major Western cities like New York, Los Angeles, London, and Paris were at their absolute peak in the period between the wars between uh, 19, the end of the first world war the beginning of the second world war i think you had peak design peak automobiles peak movies mm -hmm. peak literature peak music um and it was just a an incredible time for for design and the creative arts yeah but that's that's on a historic historical perspective but you weren't really alive or old enough no, to... i'm not that old no yeah. but from, <laughs> from personal experience from personal experience i actually looking back the it's, it's funny the 80s was a great time to be in new york because the city had just come out of its near bankruptcy uh wall street was booming and all of a sudden you had all these this new cast of characters and you know restaurants were changing like uh you know the mcnally's uh, brian and keith mcnally they opened the odeon which was really the first modern restaurant in new york um up until that point, a lot of the restaurants had red checkered tablecloths and, you know, candy bottles with candles in them, or they were old German restaurants. There's a lot of German restaurants in New York mm. in the uh, in the 70s. And, you know, in, in the 80s, it just everything sort of New York became sort of modernized in a way that it hadn't been probably since the 1950s. Mm -hmm. You mentioned cars. Are you a car guy? I'm definitely a car guy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I've had like 70 cars through my life. That's a lot of steel for a guy who lives in Manhattan. In New York City, the parking fees alone. I've always had a car in New York. I used to park it on the street. Now I keep it in a garage. I have like eight cars right now. Okay. All right. So, you, okay. Well, I know I know that you had a Saab. What else, What are we working with right now? What's in the current roster? I had two, I had two Saabs. I've got a, an old Mercedes, an old Land Rover, an old MG, an old Chevy Woody, Oof. an old Range Rover. I've got a Volvo. Um, well, I'm missing something here. And a Saab. I've got an no, not a Saab, an Audi. That's incredible because every single thing you named really tracks. Like I, there's not one, there's not one that kind of veers off course. Hit after hit. No stinkers okay. in that list. And no, no, I've got no, I've got a 51 Chevy Woody that I've owned for almost 35 years. And um, love that car. I love. I have a '62 long wheelbase Land Rover, and I love that. I've had that for almost 30 years. So I know I keep my cars. I take care of them, and I've had a lot of them. And I used to be able to fix a car, but I can't. Not since probably the late 1980s when electronics mm -hmm. came in. Then yeah, really, it's the only pros can touch them. Fucked it all up. I didn't. So do these car? Okay, so you used to tinker, but now you just drive. Just drive. Yeah. So I mean, I'm just imagining like the '80s, '90s. 
Saab convertible. What color was it? It was green. <laughs> oh, what what kind of green are we talking? Like dark green. Okay, Hunter Green Saab convertible. Smoking a cig, cruising down Fifth Ave. What a right. dream come true, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah, a care exactly, in the world. Exactly. <laughs> Damn, Jason, you just painted a picture. I gotta say, I'm getting, I'm getting half a gram. Just went up the nose. Doesn't matter. I, I didn't do. I never did cocaine. What What kind of martini do you drink, Graydon? What kind of what? What kind of martini do you drink? Yeah, gin or vodka martini. Either or. Are you particular about how it's prepared? Yeah, very much so. I, I, I make a good martini here. <laughs> I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear the details if you don't mind. Indulge me, okay. please. Well, first of all, you freeze, you freeze everything. I, you know, you pour, uh, you take the, I, I, you take, I don't like the V-shaped martini glasses. I like them where they're like, like old fashioned yeah. cups. The coops, coop style. Coop style. So you put that, you, you put that a bit of water in that, put that in the freezer, freeze the, um, uh, the, the vodka, um and keep the uh, vermouth in the fridge you take the glass out you put a bit of vermouth in squish it around a bit throw it in the in the, in the sink and then just pour that you don't shake or, or stir the vodka at all you just pour it glub 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 into the glass and maybe you add a um a, like a, a peel of lemon and that's it. So this is like a Duke style martini, I guess. Well, very Duke style. Yep. Okay, okay. Well, just for the listeners at home, Duke style means it's basically a glass of vodka. No, it's because they freeze everything. They don't freeze the glass. They freeze okay, everything okay. else. It's like it's it's a there's no okay. no shaking, no stirring. It's just no, no, no. Fro- frozen vodka straight into a glass. Which I I would try to argue that that's not a martini. What would you say that is? <laughs> it just from it's reminiscent of going to your friend's house when they're 21 and they have a bottle of stoli in their freezer and you pour it into a glass with some cranberry or something it doesn't it, it's not being manipulated enough to call it a martini it, it doesn't it doesn't have the, the 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 performative effect of a silver cocktail shaker i will agree with that it, it goes beyond performative though because of the the biological altering of, that, of everything the, the, the thing is the the the, the vodka um, warms up as you shake it. I find if you just put it in, it stays colder longer, and you pour not much more than an ounce because by the, after any more than that, it'll get warm by the time you you drink it. Anyway, that's that's the way I do it. No, that's that's okay. scientific. At, I love it. At the end, you got me back with the science of it getting warm yeah, when yeah. you shake it. Oh, yeah. I was I wasn't with you, but now I'm back. I'm yeah. back. Sam, what is the um? What's going on with these newsstands, Graydon? Because I visited. I visited the one in London a few times, and as a my my local is Mulberry Iconic Magazine on Kenmare, which is a place I go to at least at yeah, least yeah. once a week. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I think that it seems like you're spearheading a a bring back, let's say, of the newsstand, but it's in in your purview. It's under your eye. Well, it's the one in London is very popular, and it's, it's sort of it it. Um, and, you know, we don't sell gum, and and it's not like a head shop like most uh, New York um, uh, new, newsstands. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. You you can buy a gum and gum, and, and yeah, gun and gum, and you no know, zigzag papers, uh, and so um, <laughs> so no, they're 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 curated, and they can be art galleries, and we'll sell books, and have really good coffee, and we're doing one. So we have one in London, we have one in Milan. And central Milan, and we're doing one on Hudson Street in New York, uh, Hudson and Perry, and um, and Hudson Street, you know, it used to be, um, I don't know, kind of a an armpit, you know, up until about five years ago. Now mm-hmm. it's got wonderful mom and pop shops and great restaurants. So it's sort of, and it's a great street because it's wide. You see a lot of sun, and the sidewalks are wide, and so it. Um, we'll open that. We we just took the uh, keys. We got the keys last week, and we'll open it early next year. 
beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I like the. Fa- I, it's interesting. Interesting to me that you went from print to digital, and but you're still doing all this brick and mortar. So you really walk the line, and I, I appreciate. Well, it. they sort of happened. The, uh, you know, I didn't. I didn't set out to do this, but uh, the 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 London one was brought to us um, uh, by a fellow Gabriel Chipperfield, who did the design for it, and. It sort of worked out, and it sort of washed its own face financially. And so then we did one in Milan, and they're sort of fun. They're they're really nice, and they're different, and they're they're different than any other sort of magazine stand or newsstand in the the city. And I, Los Angeles now they just sell you know don't even sell magazines; they just sell gum and flip flops and things like that, and sunglasses, sunglasses. So <laughs> I, I, you know, I miss all those huge ones he used to have in Hollywood. I know, I know. I mean, those are those truly are gone i i i we have a house in west hollywood and it's near one on fairfax and that one but you when you get in there it looks like a lot of magazines but when you get in there you're like oh this is cigarettes and two-year-old magazines yeah yeah it's not yeah you know it's yeah, not no, like no. well i mean all that is to say uh, it it's it's impressive to have a, a newsstand that doesn't sell all that fiddle faddle and is able to wash its own face financially as you as you stated, yeah, no, 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 no. They're really nice, and and the one in London's a hangout, and and uh, the one in New York is close enough to the office. I'm sure the office, the people in the office, will be going there all the time. We're gonna get one of those huge coffee machines like they have at uh, San Ambrose that make great uh, cappuccino and espresso. And um, no, it's 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 like having a, a part of the restaurant business. It's fun. Okay, well, when it's time to hire baristas, I'll throw my hat in the ring. You know, I'm usually free on Fridays. Yeah. I'm usually free on Fridays. Yeah, we'll have celebrity baristas. Yeah, celebrity yeah. baristas. We have a shirt requirement. Okay, that, no, you know, yeah. I'll wear whatever uniform you deem fit for me. I'll listen to you on okay. that. I'll listen to you on that. Okay, not a problem. Okay, um, okay. Great. perfect. Okay, I was. I'm. I'm recently doing a rewatch of. Uh, CBS's Frasier, and I, I, I wanted to ask you, what was it like watching that show in real time as an adult? I always thought it was, I thought it was maybe the best written show comedy on television since the Sergeant Bilko show in the 1950s. That show is, each one is a, it's perfectly written, and they're like, each one is like a small mm-hmm. play, and um, we, I, I love the show. I don't think it ever got the the, the the huge accolades that it deserved. Yeah. And I'm glad that it's coming back. Yeah, I think it's finding a lot of cult uh, cult fame right now. And also in terms of the, the interior design choices, my, my wife is heavily influenced by Frasier interiors right now, <laughs> as is our uh, shared MX card currently. <laughs> It, it, it was it was very it was very uh, it was very '80s in its look, and not in a not in a good way. It just made me want to come home from a hard day's work uh, at the radio station and and rest my bones with a, a small glass of sherry. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> Take a load off. It just seems so nice. Yeah. yeah, those guys really know how to relax over there. The cranes they know how to yeah, kick, no. kick back. Wear a three piece suit to get coffee in the morning. I love that. I love that show. That's a great show, but it, but when I when I see things like that, it just makes me yearn for that that time. And you know, they, we've been talking a lot about the heydays of of places and generations, but I feel like we're gonna like our, the current generation is just gonna have to go back and and watch these films and television shows from those eras as like this is the only time when life was kind of sweet and good, you know. Well, the world was at peace during most of that period, and it was a time when 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 Americans became much more sophisticated in terms of design and, and the look of things and how things were made. And you know, up until that point, 
you couldn't get an American car with leather interior. Everything was done cheaply. Mm. Uh, American cars, you know, were, were pretty horrible. That's why a lot of people switched over to European cars. But it was just the beginning opening of like stores like Sharper Image, and there was, mm. you know, this, uh, design within reach. And all of a sudden, all these uh, elements of, of of beauty were available to the regular person. And, uh, and you know, it's funny you know, when you're in the 80s, I mean, the clothes, when you look back, they have a distinct look to them the ties, the pants, the jackets, the shoes, everything, and the hair. And, the, you know, for half the, um, Half of the episodes of Frasier, he's got a mullet. That's right, he does. That's right, he <laughs> well, does. Well, you know, it is it is Washington State at the at the end of the day, right? <laughs> it is Washington State. That's yeah. true. No matter how sophisticated <laughs> you are, you can't help the geography. You've been up there. No, he looked like a 1970s era Philadelphia flyer in most of these things. I'm sure he can CGI the the mullets away, but they're they're there forever. But I wonder, yeah, I I, I Frasier is definitely having a resurgence, but I, I don't. I think it's not palatable enough to have a like Friends level resurgence you know well there were a first of all there were more friends than there were frazier people and uh friends friends is a really well-written show too i mean the, and it it captured a certain thing you know being young in new york and unattached and and it was a very different and frazier was an older show yeah Fra frazier the subject matter was was cornish game hen cookery and, and yeah. friends is about you know like <laughs> yeah, my yeah, boyfriend yeah. cheated yeah, on me talking about, joey wasn't talking about that on, on friends <laughs> no no joey <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't a big Cornish game hen guy. Um, no, well, I know that no, very little theory. I know that you're also working on a Mr. Chow documentary. Ooh, and right? um, I'm a big Chow guy. Uh, it was one of the first kind of like I used to be in the music business, and it was one of the first kind of dinners a label took me to when I was like 24 uh, in LA. And it, ever since then, I've loved it. I go as often as I can. And I, I think some people, like a lot of my friends that are like foodies, you know, don't like it or don't get it. I know. And I know. Because the uh, quote, food is quote bad or whatever. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> no, I am. I'm with you. I happen to love the food. My wife loves it. And, and so and Michael Chow. So he had the he had the hot restaurant in swinging London in the 1960s. He had the hot restaurant in sort of shampoo era Los Angeles in the 70s. He had the hot restaurant in New York during the 80s art explosion. And he is 85 now. He has more energy than most 25-year-olds. He's got like a four-year-old son. And he is, now he's a painter. And it, the, we started mm -hmm. off working on this. And it turned out so much better and more interesting than I ever thought possible. I've known him off and on for 40 years. But I had no idea how tragic his early life was and how interesting his modern life is. Comes out in October on HBO. Oh, soon. Okay. So so it's done. Can't wait. It's done. Oh, that's it's done. done. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it weird that October is about two weeks away? Why is that weird? <laughs> these these days keep on ticking, Graydon. No, that's yeah, no, I think in Los Angeles that probably catches you by surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, man. All these months. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, in New York, we, we have calendars in New York. We keep track of the dates and like tomorrow's the thirteenth. Look, and... I look at the date every day, Graydon. I'm just saying. <laughs> but but I appreciate you you catching me like that. I do yeah, I, yeah, I need no, I need yeah. more of that. Is the yeah, is the yeah. goal I mean, I think when making a documentary uncovering that stuff is the whole point right like being like learning something 
uh, is is the whole idea, even for the filmmaker or the producer. Well, and for me, like in journalism, the the elements you want in a in a story are conflict, which is always great. You want narrative, that is to say, like a, a beginning, middle, and end to a story. You want uh, access, that's often very useful, and you want disclosure, which is advancing the scholarship on a story in a certain way. And um, with with documentaries that, that I think it, so the same thing applies. It's not always possible, but this has this has this has a, a, all of those elements in in various modules. And and um, and this is like the seventeenth documentary I've done, and and I, mm-hmm. they each one is completely different. I like doing them about people because it's manageable rather than vast subjects. Those are better handled by people much better than me. But it. Um, but, you know, I did one on Bob Evans, uh, Robert Evans, about 20, uh, more than 20 years ago, but called The Kids Days in the Picture. And that was a lot about how the design of the of the documentary and how it was going to look. And so each one has its challenges, but the, I'm, I loved, and I worked with this, uh, the director of it, Nick Hooker, where this is our, our third documentary together. And he's, uh, we, we work well together. What exactly is your title on this? Is it a producer? Yes. Okay. Do you get do you get into his uh, his art collection at all? Yes, yes, and and also his the the art he makes, and it's it's I um, mean yeah. I'll be honest, it's not my taste. They're 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 you need huge white walls. You prefer you what don't. he does with spicy tuna more than more than the brush. I take the spicy tuna. I take the spicy tuna with the art. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and it's almost expensive too. I mean, I mean, <laughs> his canvases are overpriced too, is what you're saying. Oh yeah, like, yeah you're not I, leaving. And we stopped off for like uh, an hour, and it was like um, two hundred and fifty dollars for the two of us. I was shocked. But now, now that the what, once the documentary comes out, you you go to the premiere, HBO, blah blah blah. Do you get Nobu for for free for life after that? What do you <laughs> well, think? Not Nobu, but get Mr. Yeah, Chow. They actually, I mean, sorry, 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 Chow. Yeah. He dislikes Graydon so much after the process that he's sending him to Nobu on his own dime to kind of get him out of his hair. You get Chow. You get free Chow for life. <laughs> no, he, no, no. I'll still pay and um, uh, and happy to do so. As, as a as a local as a regular there right. at Mr. Chow, do you consider it to be sacrilegious to ask for a menu? God no, I always ask for a menu. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Well, Chris, Chris believes that it shows a sign that you're, you're a, hick. A, a weak rookie. I order off the dome only. Any Joe Blow off the street. First, I like to see the prices as well, but definitely like I don't have that kind of memory. That I, no, even at the Waverly Inn, I like to see the menu. Graydon, that's the that's the difference between you now. I don't want to see the prices. That's exactly what okay. I don't want to see. It's much it's easier. For, it's much easier for me to order <laughs> with my stomach and my heart okay, than my eyes. Well, like in the olden days, remember restaurants when they gave the menu to the to the woman. They didn't have the prices off. They just had the month the men's menu. Yeah, that's yeah. We need to bring that back. Actually, I like that. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> really? We're but in reverse. Yeah. We're re- <laughs> we got to modernize. Uh, yeah. I I was also I know that you had a pretty tight relationship with with Jimmy Buffett, who we lost recently. Um, and I I just think that he uh he really embodied something that I think is aspirational for so many people. He really seemed to do kind of what he loved in all arenas and really have like this enjoyable pleasant life and is that accurate to say well he was good first of all he was good at everything he he surfed <laughs> he he fished like bone fished and tarpon fished he flew seaplanes he had a great family had a long-term marriage he had great uh real estate he 
uh, was a best New York Times bestselling author. And he, you know, he didn't, he lived the life that he was preaching and that he, that his, his fans came to him for. And he was sort of the, you know, uh, sort of prime example of how to do that. And along the way, he made a billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I put an airmail last thing that, you know, most billionaires are really unhappy because uh, for a lot of them, that's the total measure of their worth on this planet. Uh. Jimmy was a, a very, he was a really happy billionaire and he, he affected a lot of people when he died. Yeah. A lot no, I mean, I think, well, do you, uh, do you think there's any, any current billionaires who you would consider to be happy? Um, hmm. uh, no, not really. <laughs> you know, life, the money makes life go a lot easier, but I think happiness is something sure. outside of money and wealth. Are there any people currently alive, young people, middle-aged people who you think can carry the torch that, that Jimmy, Jimmy was carrying or nobody else really embodies all of that? No, he's like, he, that's like saying somebody will take over the torch of the Beatles. He was just a one-off uh, um, uh, um, artist and there'll be other people who do things like that. And, and, but he, he just, his was so organic to who he was, that his, the way his music and the way, he sang his music and the way he sort of preached the so the parrot head lifestyle. It wasn't like some marketing device. It was just it was just him, and somehow he made it work. Mm. It doesn't always work for people. You don't strike me as a parrot head. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I don't think he is, but that, I think that's a testament to, to, to Jimmy Buffett having friends in high places. I, I've had uh, Hawaiian shirts back in the day, believe me. I mean, when I wasn't a parrot head, it was – before parrot heads. Well, I guess you did have the Woody. After all, it's kind of all starting to come together. Okay, that's parrot. That's a parrot head like thing. Yes, it's uh, yeah. parrot heady. Yeah, you probably don't drink a lot of coconut rums, though. I'm, I'm assuming. I would if offered. If you're offering, I would. Okay, wouldn't wouldn't say no to one. Yeah, no, I wouldn't say no to that. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Now, is there interest? Maybe not yet, but do you plan to write a memoir? Do you plan to tell it all to some extent? Well, there's not much to tell, but uh, yeah, you know, I've been tinkering. I have a book contract, and and uh, you know, it's I most days I think like nobody's going to be interested in the you know and sort of upper middle aged white male, but it's but but it's uh, you know I've been uh, I've been very fortunate in life, so I um, I think you got plenty to tell, Graydon. But we'll see. We'll you got the stories. I mean, you know, it's not. It doesn't need to be. I think that sometimes people can go the self-indulgent route, but I think there's a way to write a really interesting memoir that tells your story also while not being about you. Kind of, if that makes sense. No, that's 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 one hundred percent my theory. One hundred percent. Tell it through other people. I'm trying to think of the best. Do you have a favorite? Yes, of course I do. I have uh, two favorites. One is uh, Act One by Moss Hart, and then. The other is a lot of people's favorite, um, The Moon is a Balloon by David Niven. And they're sort of Rosetta Stones of how to do it, where nobody wants to read about a, a continuum of successes. Failures are much more interesting. And you try to, in life, you try to keep the failures to a minimum. But the, uh, an interesting life will have is a built on a, on a, a boneyard of mi minor failures. And, and, um, and so that, and, and they're just much more fun to, the failures are mortifying and they're illuminating and they're, you can learn from a failure. Nobody's ever learned from a success. You only learn from failures. Hopefully we got all the failures out of the way, huh guys? No, there'll, there'll be more in the future in years. You'll, you'll step over those. Oh, they're, and, oh, they're coming. <laughs> you'll gravitate to television or something like that. I have that. a lot more coming. I can feel it in my bones. I have a lot more <laughs> failures. Yeah, yeah, it's not the worst thing. Yeah. 
All right, Graydon. Um, all right, Graydon. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. We hope you had fun. A great pleasure. No, it was a pleasure, and thank you, thank you to all all our friends over at Airmail uh, for you know Nathan and, and Harrison and and Julia, everybody for helping make this happen. Come and visit us again. Hopefully, I'll be at the office. I'll, we'll see you soon, Graydon. Thank you. And if you want to res at Monkey Bar, just just send me a DM. I'll get it sorted for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I will. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Graydon. We'll see you soon. Bye. Thank you.